1: And now, it's time for a Deep South legend that's been keeping it real here in Atlanta for over two decades. It's the Buck Baloo Show, only on The Fan. Live from 680 The Fan Studios, in the Battery Atlantis, the Buck Baloo Show, here on The Fan, 680 and 93.7. Happy Monday to you. Got DT ready to go as our engineer and producer today. And want to welcome Heath Klein to the show. He's going to be hanging out with us this week. Sort of new to 680, uh, 680 the fan team. Heath, how's it going, brother? Great, Buck. How you doing, man? Man, we're doing well. A lot to get to today. We've got a short time to get to it on this show, brother. So I hope you're ready to run fast. Yeah, it's like uh, Jerry Reed. Long way to go. Short time to get there. All right, let's get to the big take. Bucs. Big take. I've always been a sucker for a good conspiracy theory. And these days, with all that's going on in our world, I'll believe just about anything in 2024. So how about this? Is Super Bowl 58 already set? A couple of weeks ago, you may have heard me mention on this show, it seems that the last three Super Bowl logos, which were released as the NFL playoffs got underway, included the team colors of the teams that would play in the Super Bowl. Well, the Super Bowl logo for Super Bowl 58 includes two colors, red and purple. Hmm. Hmm. Now, isn't that the primary color for the 49ers and the Ravens? Now this, saw this over the weekend. My wife pointed this out to me. She saw on social media a music site promoting Reba and my man Post Malone performing at Super Bowl 58 between the 49ers and the Ravens. Now, I'm sure the Kansas City Chiefs fans and the Detroit Lions fans noticed those two things. And I did, too. Strange. Odd. A little bit crazy. Or is this just a coincidence? Or just a mistake by the music industry? They, you know, they don't really know football. They know music. Maybe they just made a mistake. Or could it be that the commissioner, Roger Goodell, the owners and the NFL business associates, have predetermined who would play in Super Bowl 58? Now, you might be thinking, come on, man, how could they do that? Well, have you noticed the head referee wearing that earpiece? A holding call or a pass interference call could sway the outcome of one of these playoff games. I'm just saying. Or this could just all be a misunderstanding. Is that what it is? Big take brought to you by Deco Systems Heating and Air, keeping one home, keeping homes comfortable here in Metro Atlanta, one day at a time. What say you, Heath Klein? Well, I guess Tyler Bass
2: might have been on the conspiracy. Everybody's in on the conspiracy. There's, there's only one way to know, Buck. Next year, they need to put teal in the logo. Because nothing gets the Jaguars to the Super Bowl. They're one of four franchises that's never been. So if they put Teal in, the only teams that applies to would be the
1: Panthers yeah. and the Jaguars. Well, so if they put Teal that, in the
2: logo and they show up in the Super Bowl, you, you've sold me. I'm convinced at that Well, point.
1: I would say to that is, look, they, they're working with these TV networks, right? They want the most eyes that they can possibly get on the Super Bowl. So why would they put one of those teams in the Super Bowl? They, they shouldn't. They popular put, teams.
2: Put the put the teal in the logo next year, though. Yeah. That'll that'll that'll. They prove like it once an East Coast first.
1: team like Baltimore and a West Coast team in San Francisco. Uh, big names, number one seeds playing in the Super Bowl. Here's where we're in trouble, Buck. If they announce that Taylor Swift is going to
2: suddenly uh, do a a uh, drop in on the halftime show, if they say that, because uh, you know they do that. They have like Beyonce suddenly shows up to take Coldplay out of the yeah. game. Uh, if, if they announce suddenly the Taylor's play in the halftime show, that I think you got an issue here.
1: Yes, yeah, are her in Buffalo celebrating? Saw her over in Buffalo. So, look, I don't mind if it's the Ravens and 49ers. I, I do believe we've seen that, but these are the the be, two best teams in, in professional football. These are the two best teams in the NFL. You got the Ravens fourteen and four, number one seed in the AFC. You got the 49ers, thirteen and five. Number one seed in the NFC. So why wouldn't you want to see the two best teams going at it?
2: No, I, hey, I'm fine with that game if we get, although I got to be honest, I'm pulling for the Lions. Not because I'm a Lions fan, but how can you not be at this point, Buck? I mean, again, four, four teams have never made it. And one of them's got a chance. If You're not pulling for the Lions. You don't have a heart or you're from like Chicago or something.
1: You're, uh, you spent a lot of time in Columbia, right? Uh, 15, 16 years, sports talk radio over in Columbia, South Carolina. Correct. That is awesome. I bet you spent a lot of time talking Clemson and South Carolina football over there. Got a little bit of that, little Panthers, a lot of lot of Braves, a lot of stuff going on over there. And you joined 680 the Fan recently. I've been tracking your every move, but I've heard you on that co-host of our Sunday Atlanta's official NFL pregame show with Steve West. I heard you doing that this year.
2: Yeah, I got you to do that. I got you has to be with Westy some of the Saturdays, some of the times with guys like Nerney. But
1: yeah, I've been doing a lot of stuff on the weekends. And I know you're the executive producer of the Chuck Oliver Show on SST and a fill-in host. You've done a nice job when you're filling in for Chuck over there. Who's the producer? If you're the executive producer, who's the producer? That's uh, David Holloway. And yes,
2: that exalted title of executive producer. I feel very important. I get a much better parking space.
1: 15 years in Columbia, South Carolina. Market 107.5. Social media, you can follow Heath at Radio. And you'll be sitting in with us all week long this week. Looking forward to that. Yeah, it's
2: going to be fun, man. It's uh, it's an honor to be in with you. Again, Duncan Kincaid and everything you've done through the years. This is really
1: cool for me. So I'm, I'm wondering what the suits are thinking here. I can't help, and I'm sure some of the listeners are too. Like the the locker room show, 6 to 10, here on 680 The Fan, they normally have like about 10 guys doing that show. I guess that's why they called it the locker room show. Is full of people. They got about ten guys in here in the morning, and I I know that uh, Hudson Mason has moved on to Chick Fil A. He's now employed over at Chick Fil A. So they got home team Finn, Joe Hamm, John Michael, six to ten. It looks like they got room for another guy with Hud out of there. I don't so know. If- maybe the suits want to hear you, and if it sounds good, they're going to plug you right into that locker room show.
2: Whatever whatever they do, man, I'm
1: a puppet on a string around this joint right now. Now, I'm wondering what the suits are thinking about. You know, the show, we get like one hour here on the fan We with 42 minutes of content. So one guy can barely fit in 42 minutes of content. I just find it unusual they would think that two guys could do 42 minutes here from 10 to 11. You have a point. So that seems a, a little odd there. We got... Cellini and domino they run at 11 to 2 here on the fan. And, you know, they seem like uh, that uh, Edgar, this is like one of his favorite shows here. So I would be shocked if they tried to change that up at all. And then you got Chuck and Chernoff from 2 to 6. And you're working closely with Oliver over on SST these days.
2: That's true. So, yeah, I don't know, two hours of me
1: might be all Chuck needs in his day. That wouldn't shock me. So, who knows, how, you know, how it's all going to shake out. Uh, who knows what the suits are really thinking. We'll know when when they decide to tell us there, but we're going to have some fun this week. Welcome to the Buck Baloo Show. So, we, uh, we better get to work. What all do you right, say? Let's do it. So let's bounce around the NFL, take a look at those AFC games we saw over the weekend. And boy, they saved the best for last last night. Bills and Chiefs, Kansas City, 27-24 win up in Buffalo. They won that second half and uh, took down the Bills in the game. Do you feel bad for that field goal kicker with the Bills? Uh, Bass is his name. You missed that. That chip shot field goal, and the Bills go down again to the Chiefs like the third straight time they've lost to the Chiefs in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, it's hard not to feel bad for him, but I hope that people in Buffalo don't fixate on him because, I mean, if you look at it, Buck... You had plenty of chances in that game. You you had throws that you could have made that you weren't able to before he had to settle for that field goal in the first place. Uh, It was just a tie. You were still going to give Mahomes the ball with about a minute and a half back, and we've seen that movie a bunch of times. So the idea that, oh, he cost the Bills the game, that was obviously the final play, but it didn't cost the Bills the game. They had chances.
1: Yeah, Josh Allen to me was spectacular. Guys, if Lamar Jackson's not winning the most valuable player, to me it's obviously Josh Allen. Since they fired the offensive coordinator and inserted the new play caller and game planner who's I believe interviewed Joe Brady interviewed with the Falcons here recently but Brady and Allen have been a success together they have been amazing and Josh Allen uh, 26 of 39 didn't get sacked ran 12 times for 72 yards and two touchdowns missed on some deep balls late in the game and to me those two missed deep balls that were could have been the difference in the game, that's on the receivers, man. I mean, he put that ball right on the money, the, and they couldn't come up and make the catch for him.
2: The one to Diggs, Buck, was that not absolutely Perfect. amazing? I mean, the, the, you know, he throws that from the 11, and it's coming down at about the 25. Yeah. That's preposterous that you can deliver that throw in those conditions. I, I, I was amazed by that throw. It's a shame they didn't catch it. The thing that impressed me, Buck, look at the Chiefs, though, because the Chiefs finally started catching the football. And when their offense catches the ball, all of a sudden they look like they're supposed to look. That catch by Marquez Valdez-Scantling that they had early in that game, that was the first contested deep ball, Buck, that they had caught since week five. Is that not amazing that the Chiefs have done what they've done and they can't catch a contested deep ball between week five and week two of the playoffs?
1: Now, the run defense was a little weak yesterday, but I think overall the Chiefs are a different team than we saw earlier in the season. They are playing their best football right now. I was wondering Six weeks ago, I was thinking there's no way the Chiefs are going to get back to the AFC Championship game, but they have flat put it together for the most part and were able to go into Buffalo and take down the Bills again because of it. One thing I'm wondering about, though, Buck, you,
2: you got a Bills team that was really beaten up at linebacker, yeah. and you got a Ravens team that isn't. They went multi-tight end a bunch more than usual yesterday. I don't know if you can do that with the same level of
1: effectiveness against a Ravens team that isn't as banged up at linebacker. Speaking of the Ravens, they totally dominate the Texans in the second half won the second half 24 to nothing took down the texans they didn't play well 11 penalties in the game ravens looked awesome and todd munkin the offensive coordinator that helped georgia win those back-to-back national titles jumps back into the national football league and now he has made lamar jackson a most valuable player in this league and Lamar looked amazing too. 16 of 22 to touchdowns. Ran 11 times for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Awesome against the blitz. The Texans tried to heat him up, and he was spectacular running that Munkin plan. 13 of 18 with two touchdowns against the blitz yesterday. The Texans were throwing at him. Ravens looking great on defense. Ran the ball on him. This was a complete a complete mismatch. Over the weekend.
2: Yeah, didn't have the matchup in the line of scrimmage to win at all. And you could tell early. Even when it was 10-10, when it was a punt return that made it 10-10, you could just tell Buck they, they did not have enough to win that football game.
1: Yeah, so the Ravens move on. We'll get a, a very entertaining, I assume, AFC championship game in Baltimore this coming weekend. Chiefs and Texans. Looking forward to seeing that. And if you believe some of the social media, the Ravens will win that game and advance to the Super Bowl. Do you believe in these conspiracy theories? i to grab my tinfoil hat, put that on for the second segment. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing the uh, Ravens in there. All right, coming up next as we uh, come back on the next segment here, Falcons busy working over the weekend as their head coaching search continues. Has the goat been pushed out? Break it down. Coming up next, you got Ballou and Klein together
0: here on the Buck Ballou Show. The fans, 680 and 93.7.
1: show here on the fan we've got heath klein with us this week a new member of the 680 the fan team executive producer of the chuck oliver show here with all the prestige that implies all over the nfl on sunday you and westy are covering that on sundays during the season yeah still got a couple more weeks obviously doing it uh,
2: both the uh, next weekend super bowl week
1: I want to invite you to listen to 680 The Fan multiple ways. We've got 680 AM, 93.7 FM, streaming at 680TheFan.com. We're in studio, so you can actually click at 680TheFan.com, listen, and watch the show. You can see what Heath Klein looks like. What a, what a treasured experience that will be for any of you, yes. Also, listen on the Fan mobile app, driven by Beaver Toyota of coming. Beaver Direct, the fastest and easiest way to shop online for your next vehicle. Hey, we got a big week here this week. At the end of the week, we've got Braves Fest that's going down here at uh, the Battery Atlanta. I want to invite you to come on out and be a part of it. As the Atlanta Braves uh, celebrate their sixth National League East Championship, I want to invite you to come out and be a part of Braves Fest. It's presented by Delta Airlines going down here at Truist Park in the Battery Atlanta. Now, you got to have a ticket, and tickets are free. So download your complimentary ticket at slash Braves Fest. And that will be 10 to the four. Dirty birds are in our blood. Sorry, Buck. I cut you off. Guys like Buck know what's happening in the huddle. Let's dive into Falcons football on the band. Yeah, that Braves Fest will be at 10 to 4 coming up this weekend. So uh, be a part of that. Should be fun. All right, let's talk a little Falcons football. Falcons busy over the weekend, man. These interviews, I don't know how anybody keeps track of it. Heath, I mean, my goodness. A couple of more interviews uh, yesterday. Bobby Slowick, the Texans offensive coordinator. And Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Uh, If I was Ben Johnson, I'd be saying, my goodness, I'm I'm trying to get my team ready for the NFC championship game.
2: You know, what's interesting, too, Buck, is that a guy like that interviewed after the game because they want to be able to do a second interview with him during Super Bowl week, potentially. Say to wedge it in. I mean, you're literally talking to so many guys, you're going to wedge it in in your schedule.
1: My goodness. So it looks like they did a second interview with Bill Belichick over the weekend. Got a second interview planned with Jim Harbaugh. Think they've uh, asked to sit down in front of Mike Vrabel? It doesn't look like the Falcons are anywhere close to wrapping this thing up. Heath, why so many interviews, do you think?
2: It looks to me, Buck, like you have to kind of separate this into two buckets, right? You've got the one interview because we've all heard the jokes about yeah, are they interviewing Belichick or is Belichick interviewing them, and so you've got you've got the Belichick and maybe Jim Harbaugh and maybe Mike Vrabel category, okay, and then you've got all these other guys,
1: yeah. Because hey, look, Bobby. So Sloan, you got category one, the goats. Category two, the. Guys that most people have never heard of.
2: Yeah, I mean, like a guy like Bobby Sloyd. Bobby Sloyd did an amazing job as an offensive coordinator this year with C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Yeah. Understood.
1: Well, maybe not so much this weekend.
2: Probably yeah. uh, not the, the ideal resume closer, I would agree with you. But but here's the thing, Buck. Do you know whether he has the qualities to be a head coach? We know he's a good play caller. We know he was effective in one year as a coordinator. Is that enough to turn your organization over to that guy? Him and Bill Belichick are not in the same conversation. Like, yeah, that is totally different human beings and resumes. And you're right. If that's if they really were completely looking at all these
1: guys equally, that makes no sense at all. Well, he's some of the boys down at the coffee shop. I stopped in there on the way down this morning and they they are looking at it. A lot of those guys in there are thinking, look, we the Falcons don't know what they're looking for. They are blindly searching. And they, we are leading the way with interviews, the Atlanta Falcons, we. Nobody's interviewing as many people as the Falcons are. So it does give the impression that they don't have a specific type of coach they're looking for. They just go interview everybody. It is interesting how widespread it is, because you're right, Buck. I
2: mean, you look at it, you're talking to offensive coordinators, you're talking to defensive guys, you're talking to guys with head coaching experience, you're talking to a guy, Raheem Morris, who's literally been here and active as an interim coach before.
1: You're talking to anybody and everybody out there right now. Well, no, not everybody. Todd Monken's not on the Falcons' list. Now, I don't understand that one. Good point. i mean my goodness i know he's interviewed with the chargers and the panthers todd monken the former georgia offensive coordinator maybe that's what did him in was he spent some time over in athens and normally the falcons aren't interested in anybody that spent any time over at the university of georgia so maybe that hurt monken didn't hurt him with the chargers or the panthers we're interviewing every other coach on the raven staff so why not todd monken what what are they holding against him my goodness, he's he's already got head coaching experience at the college level, which is far more than many of these coaches the Falcons have been interviewing.
2: No, you're absolutely right. He's got a lot more experience even in the NFL than a guy like Slowick does, and so uh, I don't know why Munkin wouldn't be on their list,
1: but to this point, he's the one who hasn't showed up. It is kind of odd. Really is, man. If I was McKay and Fontenot, my head would be spinning right now. What is this, 13 interviews over the two weeks? Maybe they're going to start doing it the other
2: way. They could announce who they're not interviewing. The Falcons Uh, are not interviewing Jerry Glanville for their head coaching
1: job. Uh, Absolutely. The Falcons will not be talking to...
2: to Matt Patricia for their head coaching job.
1: And I don't, for me at least, I don't understand interviewing a guy that doesn't have head coaching experience. I don't. I mean, you're interviewing for the head coaching job, right? So why are you interviewing these coordinators that have never been a head coach at any level? Not the youth league, middle school, high school, small college, uh, big-time college football. A lot of these guys we're interviewing have never been a head coach. Is it because they want a young coordinator type that they can bully around? They can just say, look, we want you to just coach the roster that we give you. We're going to draft the players. We're going to sign free agent players. And then it's your job to go out there and practice with the players and meet with the players. Is that what the Falcons are thinking here? Well, look, you
2: look at the Texans and the Texans obviously hired a guy with experience in Lovey Smith and then replaced him with a guy with no experience in in uh, D'Amico Ryan's and he comes in and does a much better job so you could argue that there is a place for a coordinator versus a guy with experience yeah but having said that buck I mean I I think it has felt like from the beginning that Arthur Blank wants to do something different than that model of hiring first-time head coaches and so in the end it's hard to believe if they can work it out that's not going to be where he goes
1: well maybe it's I've just been following this team for decades. And I've been disappointed so many times, especially under the current regime, the current suits, executives up there at Flowery Branch that have totally missed on a lot of these head coaching hires that they've made since they ran off Dan Reeves, a Hall of Famer, ran him off, and they brought in guys that had no idea how to coach a football team. And that's just me. I think you should have some experience of being a head coach. And look, if you've got some expertise calling plays on the offensive side or defensive side, then, you know, more power to you. But I want a guy that can lead men first before I start thinking about who can call plays on Sunday. And that's where you
2: get back to what you saw with Arthur Smith, where it felt like he was so buried in his play sheet. But that's what we see so many of these teams do. Was it a
1: play sheet or the Waffle House menu?
2: You see so many of these teams that it seems like they don't want to hire a head coach as much as they want to hire a super-powered offensive coordinator and then kind of the rest of it will come together. And that seems to be the thing that's been lost for a lot of these teams is finding someone who is what you say, a leader of men, a guy who controls the locker room. You know know what? Yesterday was the three-year anniversary, Buck, of the Dan Campbell hire and that speech about biting kneecaps that people made fun of. Yeah. But Dan Campbell is not a play caller. He's a leader, and you don't see
1: that as much now. Absolutely. I remember in that Super Bowl the last time we were in the— we've only been in two in like 58 years— That last one we were in, the head coach had his back turned to the playing field. He's over there talking to the defense. So didn't he the head coach? That was cute. He's lucky to have a job out in Dallas right now. The way they got smoked in the playoffs. So we'll continue to monitor this thing, man. Falcons with some more interviews on the plate. Uh, Vrabel reportedly maybe this weekend. Harbaugh coming in for another interview. We'll try to keep track of it. I'm running out of space trying to write all this down. of the number of people that they've spoken to. Man, I tell you what, when I found out you were going to be on the show this week, the first thing I wanted to do, and I know it's early on a Monday morning, but Heath Klein, I want to go to the quarterback club. Shades on in the club. So I'm going to put on the shades. We got DT with the shades on. Look at our engineer producer back there today. He's got the shades on. Looking sharp, because Heath, if you're going to the club, you gotta have some shades on, brother. Shades on in the club. Now I forgot the big necklace today. I should have worn that. I was wearing it last week. Losing some street cred, Buck. I feel. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So uh, we going to the club early on a Monday morning, and let's talk about these quarterbacks. Not all of them, but the top-rated quarterbacks going into this 2024 NFL Draft. Let's talk about your list and my list. I've got a top five. This isn't the top five which we do on the show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is just we're gonna, we, we don't have time to talk about all of them, so let's just cut cut the list down. I look at Pro Football Focus. They've got Caleb Williams number one. They've got Drake May number two. Jaden Daniels three. Michael Penix Jr. four. They've got Bo Nix five. Heath Klein, what say you? I am a little surprised that they've got those two last guys as high as they are. They
2: played a bunch of football, Buck, but at the same time, that kind of gets held against you now that you've played as much football as those guys have, especially if you have the injuries that a Penix does. If you could get that version of him from the semifinals, then yeah, okay, you'd take that all day. But then you saw what it looked like against Michigan. He's not that guy every single day. He's really good. But he sure doesn't feel like the fourth
1: quarterback taken in this draft to me. I don't. Do you buy him as the fourth pick? Shades on in the club. Yeah, I like Penix a lot. Penix Jr. Uh, not his dad. I don't know his dad. I Haven't seen him play. But Jr. looks like a player. In fact, I've got Penix. I've got him number three on my list. Wow, somebody's dropping down the board. I've got him number three because I think he was the most polished passer in college football these previous two seasons is what I've seen. And he's able to identify the defense pre-snap and then post-snap, which is really important because a lot of disguising going on in this day and time of football. The coordinator shows you one defense and then a snap of the ball is suddenly a different coverage. And he identifies it better than any other quarterback I saw this year, particularly. The ball gets out quick. And the ball goes to the right receiver most all the time. And, look, looking at these quarterbacks, I didn't see a better quarterback maneuvering the pocket. There was a lot of pressure on Penix. Rarely was he sacked. I think the most he ever got sacked in a game was three times. But he was able to maneuver in the pocket, shift, and and move around inside the pocket, maintain focus down the field, and then deliver an accurate pass. I Shades he, on into club. He did that even better than Caleb Williams, in my opinion. The injury thing didn't worry me as much. I, th- as much, I think he's made it t- through the last two years without an injury. And this is football. People are going to get hurt. So I don't penalize Penix Jr. for that. That's just me. But I've got him number three. I got Caleb Williams, number one. Polished passer, good in the pocket and on the run, got a big arm. He can create plays when the play breaks down. And it looks like he can lead. Led in Oklahoma, Led at USC. Not an easy thing when midstream you just change schools and you show up and take charge as far as one of the captains on the team. So I've got Caleb Williams, one. I've got Jaden Daniels, two. Electric skills. And he really developed inside the pocket at LSU, where he didn't stare down that primary. He came off that, went through the progression. Dynamic outside the pocket, as good as anybody I saw at either level this year, being able to stand in the pocket and throw and then get outside the pocket and run. The the escapability is A-plus with Jaden Daniels. Looks like he can lead. So I've got Caleb Williams one, Jaden Daniels two. I've got Penix three, Drake May four. And I've got Spencer Rattler five over uh, Bo Nix. Interesting, interesting. So you're not sold on
2: Drake. Some people think he could still be the number one pick. Most people think it's Williams and then May goes maybe pick two
1: to Washington. You're not sold on him at all. Well, when he walks in the room at 6'4", 220, he looks like an NFL quarterback. He's got the big arm. Footwork, as I examined him, really inconsistent with his footwork. And this is something they can work on. I think he's a guy still developing as he enters the national football league. He holds the ball way too long in the pocket. Ball's got to get out quicker. you got to recognize coverage quicker. Now you got to make quicker decisions and his pocket presence not as good as Caleb Williams or Michael Penix Jr. So I do have some criticisms of, of Drake May. I'm not saying he's not going to make it. I think he's still developing into the quarterback he can become. Shades on the club. One
2: interesting number on Jaden Daniels, Buck, that I think drives home how ridiculously good he was this season, his downtown, uh, downfield completion rate among SEC players, that's 15 or more yards downfield, 68.1% Buck. The only other guy that was within 18% of him was Carson Beck, and Carson's number was 59.4. No Nobody else was closer than 50%. I mean, that that is wild. 68.1%
1: on 15 or more yard throws. That's nuts. Some of the other quarterbacks out there, you see when you look around the different sites, uh, Bo Nix is in the top, most top fives. Bo Nix is. Ton of experience. Love his mobility. He's gotten better in the pocket. Ran a system at Oregon, though, where a lot of it's predetermined where you're going with the football. So you'd have to make that adjustment in the NFL. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is another one I'm not so high on. Uh, So many people insist he's a first-rounder,
2: Buck, and I'm with you. I'm not sure I'm understanding
1: what's supposed to make him a first-round pick right now. Uh, Michael Pratt out of Tulane is another one that you'll see. His name thrown out there a little bit. I like Rattler, though, because of... His presence in the pocket, he's got some mobility. He he scrambles to throw it, not to run with it ton of experience i think he's been humbled so i think he's a guy that can make it in the national football league too that's why i've got him number five
2: i will tell you people over in columbia really speak highly of him i i know he has an image maybe because of how things ended in oklahoma and that reality show he was right. on when he was younger i was
1: turned off when i saw that I,
2: I think there's a lot of people who were but i can just tell you from his experience the two years in columbia you will not find anybody over there who has anything bad to say about him if you watched him play this year if he had not stayed healthy and on the field they they would have been so much worse. They weren't good anyway. They would have been beyond bad without that guy.
1: Had a go-to receiver to throw the ball to, like it, look at. Needed some better personnel around him. But no I think offensive line shot. help at all. Yeah, he's got a shot in the NFL. I just love the way you're looking at me. Baloo, it's a Monday morning, and Baloo's got shades on. Because, yeah, I, you because know, we in the club! Shades on in the club. That's the thing, Buck. I, I think some people
2: might believe it's radio theater, theater of the mind. You have the chain. You have the sunglasses. This is yeah. not a bit. He does it, folks,
1: for real. Yeah, and it's nice to have DT, our engineer, producer extraordinaire, uh, wearing the shades, too, joining in on the fun. Now, he says most of the time when he was in the club... He had his back up against the wall, checking things out when he was in the club. Checking out the ladies. Not a Shades guy. I'm just happy to be here in the club. It's just fun. That was a, that was a great quarterback club, by the way. I enjoyed that. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's always cool. And the uh, quarterback club brought to you by Ace Hardware. Your locally owned and operated. Ace, find your neighborhood store at acehardware.com. We've got a lot going on, man. Uh, we've got, have you seen what the locker room show? You might end up on that show. You never know about these things, Heath Klein. I'm telling you, man. They, You're like got,
2: my agent, Buck. You're trying to pile me off on well, everybody Well, I here. think there's
1: an opportunity with Hutt moving on. They like a lot of people on that show. I mean, you never know about these things, and I wanted to, to alert the listeners out there. Six Eighty the Fan in the locker room are sending five lucky listeners to Sandals Dunn River Falls in Jamaica. Mon. Tune into the locker room starting next Monday to learn how you could find yourself at Sandals Dunn River Falls in Jamaica. Your first chance to get entered to win one of our five—count 'em, five—trips and your spot on the beach or the course. At Sandals, Dunn River Falls, and Ocho Rios comes up Monday with the locker room. So make sure you're listening to that show. We're ineligible. The fans got a Georgia Bulldogs national champion on the beat. 25-20, far side like 15 10, 5, get in there, touchdown! This is the Bulldog Beat with Buck Balloon. Presented by Georgia's own credit union and attorney Ken Nugent. All right, don't need the shades on for the Bulldog beat, brother. And notice this, the Dogs football program, they've done very well recently, Heath, as you know. And they will be represented in the Super Bowl for the 23rd consecutive year, which is something to be proud of, man. You're churning out these big-time players, and they're playing a role and their NFL team, making it all the way to the biggest game there is, the Super Bowl. The 49ers featuring uh, Charlie Warner. I played with his uncle, Scott Warner, at Georgia, one of the all time great uh, return men and uh, defensive backs at the University of Georgia. Great to see Scott inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. But Charlie, his nephew, tied in playing for the 49ers. You got Roquan Smith and Ben Cleveland with the Baltimore Ravens. And you've got Miko Hardman. Might want to hold on to that ball a little better, Miko. And also Malik Herring that are playing with the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: It is amazing when you look at Michael Hardman, uh, Buck. I mean, goodness gracious, two two carries, two fumbles. He uh, he definitely needs to to tighten that up a little bit. But yeah, the dogs just no matter what they're
1: always going to be represented. Yeah, it no, might not be playing for the Atlanta Falcons. They they've never really they've never drafted a Georgia player in the first or second round. And we're talking about going on 60 years here at this point in time. So that is not something they they have decided to do. But they we get Georgia players making it to the Super Bowl on these other teams.
2: Well, you know, if you put the Falcon colors in the logo, maybe that'll do it, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure they want them there. Well, I, Falcon I colors on one side, some Jaguar colors on the other. Let's really test this theory out. Yeah, I'm not so sure it's the colors that the NFL is looking at. They're looking at the eyes, the viewership, the money they can make with the sponsorships that you're seeing the commercials on the game. So that would be, I think, the focus for the NFL executives. Yeah, I wonder if Georgia's going
2: to lean into this more, though, Buck, this trend, because you remember when Penn State put out a graphic a few years ago? They put out a big graphic that said a Penn Stater has played in every Super Bowl and then underneath <laughs> in, like, little tiny print it said, except for three. You know, if, if you are the folks from Georgia, man, you might as well really lean into this because it is true. You're going to be in the Super Bowl every single
1: year. With the way you're putting talent in the league, it's going to be impossible not to be. I'll tell you, the way Georgia has played played over the previous three years, back-to-back national championships. Now, they were number one much of the year this year and lost by Alabama to a measly, by a measly three points in the SEC title game. And for some reason, that committee kicked them all the way out of the top four, didn't allow them to play in the playoffs. They kicked Florida State's Fannie in the Orange Bowl. And now we're looking ahead to the 2024 season. And I've got them preseason number one. We talked about it on friday thank you Buck. georgia preseason number one on my list is there an area a player or a position group that might be a concern as you look at the upcoming team for the georgia bulldogs how do you how do you view that is there a player or position group you're interested to see say when g-day rolls around sometime very soon i'm curious about the corners
2: buck not because i think it's a concern because there's clearly talent there but which guys will emerge i mean you had some guys who were one foot out the door. Looked like they were going to transfer because they're saying, I don't know if I'm going to get on the field. And, and so when you've got a snake pit like that, when you've got so many guys with talent that that they're almost scaring each other off, I want to see who the answers are at that corner spot because uh, they should be absolutely loaded. We know, obviously, how good Starks is already at safety. And, and they didn't get down, so they, you could have had the absolute wonder twins there at safety if you'd made that happen. But still... You're going to have talent at corner. I'm curious to see what that
1: battle looks like for who eventually turns out to be the starters. Yeah, you got Everett Humphrey who played a lot as young players this previous season opposite of Lassiter. So those two guys certainly will be in the mix. And they signed the number one rated cornerback in this recruiting class and Ellis Robinson. Number one rated cornerback in the entire recruiting class nationally. So you would think he's going to get a good long look at one of those corner spots. You're right about Starks, though. We're talking about a preseason All-American at the safety spot. There's some jobs available. I'm looking forward to seeing that myself.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing, too. When you talk about Robinson Buck, it doesn't feel like that job will necessarily be won. Like, you might have that job on opening day, and and he's going to have to be amazing. He's got to be Dion level to be on the field, probably starting immediately as a true freshman. But when you've got a guy with talent like that, if you win that job, that doesn't mean the job stays won. You're going to have to compete every
1: single week. Bulldogs looking like they'll have two legitimate first-round picks in the upcoming NFL draft. you got Brock Bowers. We could sit here and talk about him for four hours on one show. And then you've got the right tackle, uh, Mims, who looks like a first-round pick. Got everything you'd want in an offensive tackle. George has been cranking him out here lately. So I'm interested in the right tackle situation. Green held up at left tackle, young player, and he comes back. He's locking down that left tackle spot. Right tackle, though, I wonder, I know Xavier Truss is back for year number six. But I want to see more of this Monroe Freeling, who came in as a four-star recruit and had a chance to play in a Uh, backup role, Mims got dinged up a little bit, Trust got dinged up, next thing you know, you got a freshman in Monroe Freeling on the field, Vanderbilt, I believe the game was, and boy, I left so impressed with what I saw out of Monroe Freeling, not that he just looks like a tackle at 6'7", 320, but he was excellent in pass protection, and with Carson Beck, they're going to be throwing that ball around a lot in the upcoming season. So you need a good pass protector at offensive tackle. Freeling is exactly that. Really polished in pass pro. From what I understand, really improved in his run blocking, which is important at Georgia. Kirby's going to want Bobo to pound that football a little bit. It it looks like to me they'll have three quality offensive tackles again this year with Green and Truss. And Freeling, who I can't wait to see a little more of come spring football time. Looking forward to seeing that.
2: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun to, to see how this whole group comes together. And, of course, you love the fact you got experience at the quarterback spot. Plenty to build on.
1: All right, coming up next, you get to see something. I, I saw something uh, really amazing this weekend. I'm going to tell you what that is. Coming up next, got the
0: Buck show here on the fan, 680 and 93.7. So- is this the year you want to grow your business?
1: That was amazing. Nick Dunlap. Imagine that, being an amateur and winning on the PGA Tour. Roll down How about that, brother? And then show back up on campus at Tuscaloosa. Got to go to sociology class. I always wanted to do, uh, shoot 29 under par. Not that I've ever played like four or five days in a row.
2: You? Uh, that is something I don't do. I'm not a golfer. I am happy to say I I played on my high school team and I gave it up because I got so angry, Buck. I'm a mellow guy most of the time. You don't want to see me on the golf course. I get so mad. I
1: I shot one under 71 three times, and I've got those framed at home, those scorecards. Nice. One under par. It's been a a minute. (laughs) I'm just saying. Not that I'm bragging. But uh, those were fun days. Absolutely. Nothing like this kid, though. First time in 33 years an amateur has won on the PGA Tour. Last dude to do it, Phil Mickelson. That's Ooh. pretty wild. Whenever you do something, most recent person to do it was Phil before he started playing for real. Yeah, it's pretty good. Now I think his, when he put it out. If it was me, I would have said, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pro right now." So go ahead and give me that first place check. <laughs> I, I don't think you can do that, handy. right? That, that's not allowed, right? I don't I, think you can. I, I mean, imagine if you could. Before the tournament, yeah.
2: Imagine if you could. If you could just even like halfway through say, changed my mind.
1: I'm going pro." If I make the cut, I'm going pro. All right, let's see what's popping out there. Let's find out what's popping. You don't need your shades for this one. So we'll uh, quickly talk about the NFC playoffs, which uh, we had the Lions taking down the Buccaneers. 31-23. Lions have won two playoff games for the first time since 1957. Talk about it being a while since something happened. This is another one of them. These people in Detroit... It's got to be just crazy up there right now.
2: Yeah, and even if they don't win now, they will have closed their season with two wins at home. they lose, it'll be away from home from here on out. And so, yeah, just, just the feeling of those people in downtown Detroit yesterday has to have been amazing. I was at the first game that the Saints finally won a playoff game, Buck. Uh, not because I'm a Saints fan. I just happened to be there covering the Sugar Bowl when I how went to the clear that up? People, I know, I know how this town rolls when it comes to the Saints. I was there for that. Was Saints and Rams. But people in the stands were sobbing. I mean, it, it meant so much that they had finally won a playoff game. They were sobbing. This franchise, you had people who had been born, lived their life, and died and never saw the Lions win a playoff game. I can only imagine what that's like.
1: Yeah, I saw a grown man crying in Buffalo last night. One of the fans up there just sobbing. When the final seconds ticked off the clock, a little odd. So, uh, Goff looked great again, directing three straight second-half touchdown drives to separate from Tampa, 30-43. Dude was spinning it. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, unbelievable the impact that he's made down the stretch for the Lions. 13 touches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. For Gibbs, he's been a real playmaker. When they need to play offensively, Gibbs has been delivering.
2: A lot of people ripped them for that pick, said, oh, it's a luxury pick. You don't need to take a running back with the 12th pick in the draft. What are you doing? But when you have a game breaker at any position, Buck, it can change things. And he is absolutely turning into that for them.
1: Goff leaning on two, uh, two weapons. He's got there brown. The receiver had 14 targets in the game. Unbelievable. Eight catches, 14 targets. Laporta, the tight end, he's out there gimpy right now, but he had 11 targets and had nine catches in the game, so tell you what, I really like the job the offensive coordinator has done in Detroit. They, they want to run the football, and they get the ball into their playmaker's hands, and they do it every week.
2: Yeah, and then just quickly bringing it back to the Falcons and the fact they interviewed him last night, Buck. If you were going to take one of these guys, this is probably the guy you'd want, although the buzz seems to be that Washington's going to be where he winds up. But I'm with you. Ben Johnson's been really impressive.
1: Yeah, he's never been a head coach, so that concerns me a little bit. There, the uh, 49ers-Packers game was awesome. Here was another one. Uh, Packers had a chance to start really fast, but had to settle for a couple of field goals. I think they went for it on fourth down one time, came away with nothing. They had a chance to put 21 on the board early in the game and separate from the uh, 49ers, unable to do so, and it came back to haunt them late in the game. The 49ers put it together. Uh, Purdy and those boys put it together, McCaffrey, and they were able to come back and win. Yeah, Niners look like a different team when they don't have Debo
2: Samuel on the field. Uh, according to Adam Schefter this morning, says it's 50-50 whether he's going to be able to play. He's got that shoulder
1: issue, 50-50 whether he could play this week. Heard it during the regular season, so this is a lingering thing.
2: Yeah, at least they can game plan that he might not be available, whereas they weren't doing that for this game with the Packers. But they change so much when he's not out there. Uh, I'm just curious from you, Buck, Brock Purdy, I mean, look, he wasn't great.
1: He had some beautiful throws, but he wasn't great in that Six game. Six for seven on that game-winning touchdown. Put together, drive. Put
2: together the drive there, though. Why do you think people crush him still so much? Like, he cannot have a
1: bad play. Yeah, he was the last player drafted. So people look at that and go, ah, he's terrible. And then plus, I believe this is the first time that Purdy and Shanahan together have been down by more than, say, five five points and have been able to come back and win. So I think maybe he he calmed some of the fears and critics out there by that performance late in the game yesterday. Really impressive.
2: Yeah, they were 0 for 30 in that situation, down five points before coming back to win that game. And so, uh, yeah, give him credit for the drive, and maybe that'll cool some people off. People crush that guy the second that he struggles, miss a pass or two immediately. Ah, this guy can't play. Seems pretty unfair.
1: All right, time for the final word. Time for the final word. Brought to you by Howard Brothers. Keeping Georgia green since 1955. I saw something amazing over the weekend. We got in the car, made a quick trip to Valdosta. Unable to get home for the holidays with wrestling going on with my youngest son. So we went and saw mom down in Valdosta. And my two brothers, I'm the oldest of, of four with two younger brothers. And we all played at Valosta High School. We all played football and baseball there. Well, I've been seeing on social media where Valosta High is building a new baseball facility, and they have yet to go out to see it. So we jumped in the car, my two brothers and my two sons, and we rode out to the new Valosta High baseball facility, and I was blown away. This is a twelve on a one to ten scale here. They, they get a 12 on this baseball Best I've ever seen. Best I've ever seen at the high school level. I mean, you enter through enter the complex through this new building that has concessions and restrooms and some administrative offices, and then you see the two turf fields. You see the women's softball field on the left, the new Valdosta High baseball field on the right, the turf on both of those fields, and then you see the A bullpen with like three mounds for the bullpen. And that leads you right into the unbelievable indoor baseball complex. Wow. I was blown away. Heath, I've never seen anything like this at the high school level. Or the college level, for that matter. They're serious down there, but they're high school sports. There's no question about it. They take it for real. only thing that compares is that Mississippi State baseball complex. Unbelievable. Anyway blown away with that. Heath, great having you on. We'll do it again tomorrow. Sounds good. All right. We got Nick and Chris coming up next. Stay tuned for that. Buck Belush has a show saying, we'll see you
0: later, everybody, here on The Fan. Thank you, Buck. Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team, build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you, too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you firstlibertyga.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com.